Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Chris Deutsch. He's the uh, founder of Lofty Ventures, and he's the re-founder of a company called T-Bot. Chris has spent over 20 years starting up, investing, and working in the early stage venture-backed startup community, uh, focused on e-commerce, web, and mobile applications, enterprise software, and consumer products. He's the founder of Lofty Ventures, and he build, he's building long-term relationships with Chicago's next generation of passionate and brilliant founders by supporting them through investment and all the, along the way until they eventually turn into investors themselves. Uh, he's also currently the re, re-founder of a, a company called uh, T-Bot. It's a, a uh, well, it's a T-Robot, basically, and it's backed by um, Y Combinator. He's also on the board of directors for that company. And he's also heavily involved in, in Chicagoland and the philanthropic community there. And he's also on a bunch of boards. So looking forward to this conversation. But before I jump into the interv- interview here, I wanted to make sure that I shared another segment where we're highlighting a startup in our community. Today's episode, the company is dun, 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 Rex Academy, which offers a concise turnkey computer science com- curriculum and learning platform designed to prepare students with 21st century skills. Rex Academy's project-based curriculum prioritizes student success through individualized experiences. It features um, automatic graded, graded assi- assessments and courses designed to be taught by non-experts while uh, making it easy to bring world-class computer science instruction to a workforce development organization or school. If you want to learn more about Rex Academy, simply go to rex.academy to learn more. That's the domain. I love that they got that extension. I didn't even know you could do that. It's rex.academy, and that's it, rex.academy, to learn more. All right, let's jump into that conversation with Chris Deutsch. All right, hi, Chris. Thanks so much for joining today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Frank. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Um, So just want to jump in, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar um, you've been investing in the entrepreneurial space here for a little bit and wanted to try to figure out, because you've been in this so frequently, and I just wanted to figure out where to start. So maybe for our listeners, if you could just maybe tell us a little bit about um, your work at Lofty Ventures, and then we'll kind of jump in, in a little deeper. Yeah, uh, Lofty Ventures is a platform that I created a, uh, just about a decade ago be my vehicle for angel investing. And it's, it's really, it really just started as, as my holding company, uh, my LLC. And as uh, I, I moved more to full-time uh, into angel investing, I have used it to build a platform to support the founders that we back. And, and today, Lofty Ventures is 124 founders at 70 companies, 86% are in Chicago, 69% are led by underrepresented founders. And we've had five exits. Wow! So, when did you start then? That's seventy investments. When did was when was when did you make your first investments? Just so we get a sense. Yeah. Well, uh, there's kind of two answers to that question. The, my first ever angel investment uh, was in 1998 when I was 23, and I'm I'm almost 47, so it was just a little over half my life ago. 
Um, but I, I really only, I did like a half a dozen investments between 98 and 2013, uh, which is when I moved back to Chicago, which is where the lofty story really picks back up um, or picks, picks up, I should say. Um, in 2014, I made my first Chicago investment um, for an early stage founder in Chicago. And that was, uh, I sort of jokingly call my gateway drug to Chicago test and, uh, tech investing. And that's what's turned me into uh, a real Chicago focused first check to seed angel investor. Okay. So what inspired you to, to jump into investing? Did you have, is there, was there, what was your background? Did you have a company you founded or what was the kind of inspiration? Are you saying like way back in 90? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Okay. So I've been in tech since when I was in college in the early to mid 90s uh, and just really loved, deep love for everything tech. It uh, really started, I was teaching myself computer graphics when I was in college, like literally bought all this computer equipment so I could teach myself because they didn't have it at school. Uh, it was right around the web was sort of being uh, uh, started and developed and I was building web pages along with like doing computer graphics and stuff. And uh, and then after that, um, I was doing a bunch of internships uh, over the summers. And, and after I graduated college, um, I was building web pages for a year in Chicago. And then I moved out West in 98 to help my cousin uh, build one of the first e-commerce platforms uh, as part of the founding team of a company called vStore slash vCommerce. And uh, we powered uh, huge online retailers, Target.com, Overstock, BJ's Wholesale, MTV, uh, a bunch of those companies. Uh, Benchmark, who's a pretty big VC, led our first round. And Bill Gurley actually joined our board way back then um, and did that for, uh, for quite a while, about a decade. Um, and, uh, and then after I left that, I, I worked on a couple more projects before I moved back to Chicago and ended up moving back to Chicago to work on our family commercial real estate business. Um, and, and there's sort of a weird story of how I got uh, from uh, real estate to investing in, um, in businesses in, in Chicago. But the, the sort of short answer was, I realized quickly that there were awesome opportunities to invest in great founders in Chicago. And any founders that I invested in that were in Chicago could also potentially be tenants in our buildings and or their friends. And so if as long as I was doing uh, angel investing in Chicago startups, there was a sort of opportunity to get like a two for one. And, and that didn't really happen in the beginning. It probably would have happened uh, as we did, but uh, we ended up selling the real estate portfolio about five years into me, me being here. Um, and, and I was ad hoc angel investing throughout that period of time. Uh, and and just really realized this was like an amazing opportunity. I love doing it. It was local, so I could roll my my sleeves up and really get hands on and, and help the founders. It was also an economic uh, opportunity kind of uh, uh, play too. I'm, I really would like to try to help Chicago, and I think one way to help Chicago in a macro way is build more entrepreneurship, build more successful uh, businesses here that create jobs and, and tax base and hopefully generational wealth for the the founders and their their teams. And then that gets returned to more entrepreneurs later and through angel investing, et cetera. So I've really been trying to do a, a lot of that latter part recently, like spurring more angel investors locally in Chicago, bringing more people that are angel investors outside of Chicago to look at Chicago and also enabling founders in Chicago to angel invest earlier in their careers like I did 
back in 98 when I made my first angel investment when I was also an operator. So it's kind of a long, windy answer there. I, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, definitely. No, that's interesting. And I guess, so your thesis is, is just investing in Chicago or do you, you know, go look at other hot spots in the Midwest too? Yeah, it's it's Chicago. Um, so it's, it's sort of Chicago with a small caveat of there's a couple other things that that I and I'll, I'll say we will look at because there's yeah. actually a couple um, of us on on the team. It's mm-hmm. primarily myself, um, but I also have um, another uh, a, a partner who's working with me, Spencer Gordon Sand, who actually lives out in New York. Uh, I met him while he was an undergrad at University of Chicago. While he was building a startup. He's very focused on Web three, um, and we also have, have built a syndicate for Lofty Ventures that that I work with him a lot on. Um, and work with sort of community stuff with him as well. And then we have an EIR. It's actually our first EIR. And that was one of the founders of QB, which was our largest exit to date, um, happened about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and he joined us uh, earlier this year as an EIR to work with our founders. Um, but it, I'm sorry, remind me of the question. I, so I got basically, lost on our um, so, so yeah, no, that's okay. You've got, uh, so you've got a team member in New York, it sounds like. So do you also look at New yeah. York? I mean, th- it would probably make sense if they're in that community, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're just looking at, because you said there was a caveat for a few other companies. Yep. 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 So, uh, right. I lost my train of thought there. So, so the, the caveat is actually not necessarily other region. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thesis is really Chicago founders as early as possible in their careers and support them forever. Uh, and, and what I mean by forever is like this startup, the startup after startup after that, um, really whether or not those are all successful exits financially, because I'm looking for really good founders and often it's not the founder's fault if it doesn't, you know, if they have to shut it down, there's a lot of other, uh, uh, uh factors that, that come in over and be, uh, over and uh, above the, just the founder and, and, and execution. So the other areas that I look at are not geographic, but there's a couple, um, uh, categories. The first is relationship slash community uh, building technologies. Um, I'll give you one quick example. There is a startup uh, with the founder out of Dublin, Ireland. Actually, um, I connected him. I, I connected with him through Alex Iskold at Twenty Forty Eight Ventures in New York. Um, I actually saw he was making intros on it off of his website to his founders, and I asked him how he was doing that. And he introduced me to. Uh, to uh, Connor is the founder of Bridge, and I was absolutely blown away. It's it's just a really efficient and great way of making introductions, a faster way. It gives you feedback. It's it's incredible. I use it daily. It's amazing. I'm sure um, I've made intros for both. Yeah, um, no, I, I remember using Bridge, and I actually they used it at yeah. um, Capital Factor. Used it for their some of their stuff this this past year at South by Southwest. So definitely familiar with Bridge. That's interesting. It's. It's amazing. So, so bridge and things in a similar vein, I will look at. Um, I will also uh, look at, and I've, I've invested in uh, two art tech com- companies. Uh, I am a huge uh, fan of art. Uh, we're, we're borderline art hoarders. <laughs> We've run out of art uh, space in our house. I've actually uh, lent it. out a lot of art to our uh, our portfolio companies and their their offices, but. Uh, I'm very passionate about trying to help artists, especially artists and their their audiences and and um, uh, and collectors connect, uh, and build relationship there. So uh, so that's another area and I'll look at. And and because Spencer is so focused on Web three, crypto, NFTs, we will also look outside of Chicago for 
uh, for Web3. Um, so those are kind of the carve outs. And that's why 86% yeah. of the companies are in Chicago. That makes sense. And I was going to ask about the follow up about if your love for art and, and the NFT space, um, that probably pulled you in there pretty hard. Or did you, how did you guys, how are you guys looking at that space? Uh, so it's funny. I actually don't own an NFT yet. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of ironic because I am such an art collector. Yep. Um, they're pretty traditional, like really oil on canvas, uh, sculptures, et cetera. Um, and, and it's also ironic because back in 94, uh, through the late nineties, I was creating literally computer art. I mean, with like Wacom graphics tablet and, uh, which nobody probably even knows today, but it was, it was one of the early ways you could actually like do digital paintings and digital uh, design and stuff. Wow. Um, so, uh, so I should be one of the early adopters in NFTs. Cause I was always wondering what's the way, like, how can I actually display and share this really cool art? And, and so I, I have some, some old, uh, uh dye sublimation prints that I, that I made of, of the stuff that I did digitally, but, but no, it's really been, uh, Spencer, uh, Spencer got into, NFTs actually from our, you know, we were on a lot of clubhouse stuff together uh, back last year. He got into into that community and really fell in love with it. Um, and he has been super successful in investing in that arena. And, and he's really he's he's dove in really deep. In fact, he's even uh, the chairman of the Dow board for Rug Radio now. So he's super, super involved with that whole community. And he brings um, just a wealth of knowledge in everything nft crypto web3 but he's also just a really uh smart and and savvy um entrepreneur and, and business person so he brings uh, a breadth of uh of knowledge and expertise really across uh startup and not just in, in web3 oh, that's interesting and you know you talked about um focused on chicago founders mainly and i i know uh, we'll turn back the clock here i know you invested in, in turbo turbo appeal which came through our yeah. startup of the year community and we have a mutual friend john guidos and bottle shaw who started that company and i was curious about that company when you saw it what did you think about it and um you know how did that kind of fit into your thesis i guess okay so i'll, I'll give a very quick anecdote with that i i, I actually read about this uh, this company, uh, Turbo Appeal, in Cranes. And this was shortly after um, I had moved back to Chicago and I'm working in our family commercial real estate business. I kind of skipped over a lot of the details of that, but I shared an office with my father and it's late at night, it was like nine o'clock at night or something. We were both in the office, like catching up on work and whatnot. And I, I scream out, holy bleep, <laughs> dad, there's a company that can automate and, and, and simplify property tax appeals. And I said, if this is real, this is gold. And, and so I remember actually having a conversation with him and I think I sent like a, like a DM on Twitter or LinkedIn or something after reading it to bottle. And we met a couple days later, I think at 1871. And very shortly after that I invested and I was literally walking them into other investors that I knew in Chicago trying to help them get investment because I thought this was going to be such a, an amazing opportunity. And, and clearly well, John and bottle were amazing founders. So um, I, I can go deeper, but yeah, no, was, that's great. Uh, that's great. Yeah. And it sounds like it was right in your sweet spot, especially what you were doing at the time. Um, and so, I'm, and it sounds like you're very hands-on with helping founders, you know, find their, their other investors, which is great. Um, you don't find that all the time. So um, I'm sure the founders that you work with appreciate that. And um 
So, okay. So tell me a little bit more about these. You've invested in 70 companies. You went through a pandemic. How was, how was your investments during that time? You know, what was the velocity, I guess, of, or of your investments over the course of the last couple of years? Yeah. Um, I will never do this again. Uh, but going into the pandemic, I had 30 portfolio companies and, uh, first three or four months of, uh, of 2020, I did almost nothing because the markets were cratering. I, I was like basically playing Xbox to just get my mind off of, you know, like a, a quarter or a third of my net worth that just evaporated in the markets and I was a little freaked out. Uh, so uh, since I do angel investing full-time, that's uh, my income, uh, you know, when we have exits. Uh, so it's very lumpy and it's basically just tied up in the markets otherwise. So once the market started to calm down and I started to calm down, I realized that the pandemic was actually the biggest opportunity uh, that I will probably ever see, see in my career. I'll argue that the the day that the uh, World Health Organization declared a, a global pandemic uh, was the first time in the history of human civilization when in 24 hours, all people on earth, their lives changed because we're so interconnected today. Uh, and so, you know, within a day of them making that announcement, consumer behavior and business practices globally shifted overnight and forever. And that's when I said, this is a massive opportunity. I need to go super hard and fast to find the best entrepreneurs that I can, mostly, not exclusively, but mostly in Chicago uh, that are that are already moving or have pivoted to where the puck is now going. And that's what I did. And I invested, I doubled the portfolio in 2020. So really from like April to December, I doubled from 30 to 60 companies and I deployed more capital that year than the prior six years combined. So I was doing about a deal a week. Actually, it's wow. more than that because I did some follow on too. So I, I did a new uh, startup investment per week on average for wow. about eight months. I will never do that again because <laughs> it's crazy. Like yeah. it's just not, in, in fact, I'll give you one crazy example. There's a company called Ant Hill, which I was lucky enough to squeeze in at the, the last second in the, their first round. And within four hours of my first conversation with the founder, um, who's amazing, I had already signed docs and wired money. Uh, wow, and thankfully, because that... they've already, they've already had at least one maybe more up rounds. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, so you just like, that was a, uh, it, it, it sort of reminded me of my father who had this amazing vision for what Chicago could be in his real estate development, where he was rehabbing. He brought the concept of loft office space from New York to Chicago in the sixties and named his company Loft Development Corporation, which is actually partly where the name Lofty came from. It's a hat tip to my dad with his uh, legacy, but also we're looking for founders that are trying to solve lofty problems. So when I saw the this global pandemic and the whole world for the first time in human civilization, all shifting on a dime overnight, this was the moment. I, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm never gonna have the kind of opportunity that my dad had, which was bring lofts to Chicago and, and be the first in River North, West Loop, Goose Island, all these areas that are super hot now that he was literally the first developer bringing loss to back in the 60s 70s and 80s so that this was like my owen my, my father's name is owen my, my owen moment and i really tried to seize on that so that's why you know 2020 or uh, yeah 2020 was crazy i will never repeat that again i've only done 10 deals 
uh, since that too, you know, over the past wow. year and a half. So much, much less. That's, that's a interest, really interesting story. And obviously the background of your, the, the name of your company too is, is interesting because there's some beautiful lofts in Chicago and um, it kind of goes back to your dad, which is pretty cool. Um, all right. So now I know you also invested in uh, a company that you uh, also kind of refounded, right? So can you tell me a little bit more about um, the the YC company? It was a YC company, I think, right? T-Bot? Yeah, T-Bot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> this is a, a fun story. I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Um, in uh, So it actually goes back to my first angel investment um, in Chicago. Uh, so in, in 2014, uh, Lon Chow, who's a great uh, Chicago angel and VC, was one of my early friends that I met when I got here. He introduced me to a founder, uh, Corbett from Popular Pays. Uh, that became my first angel investment. Less than a year later, they got into Y Combinator. And when they got into YC and they were out in, in uh, Mountain View at Y Combinator, uh, there was also an angel conference that happened and Corbett like sent me information on it. And I thought that was awesome. So I flew out to visit uh, Corbett and the team and do this, uh, this angel conference. And that got me deal flow to YC. So the next batch, which I believe was summer 2015, they were winter 2015 at uh, uh, Popular Pays, which by the way, Popular Pays just exited. That was our fifth, fifth exit. So it's been a kind wow. of a cool full, full circle here. Yeah. Um, so T-Bot was, uh, was in the next cohort. And so uh, of the 120 companies that were pitching uh, in their demo day, uh, Raymond, who's the founder of T-Bot, was the first on stage and, and he, he kicked off the entire pitch for everybody by saying, we have a team making robot. And it was sort of like Jerry Maguire, you, you had me at team making robot. Um, and, and sort of from that point on, uh, and they were outside of uh, Chicago, they were in Toronto. But the reason that I invested was one, my wife and I were just starting to get into tea and we thought it was really fun. Uh, two, they wanted to launch in the US through Chicago and I'm here and I knew I could help with that. And their, their business model was sort of at the intersection of tech and real estate. And so for all those reasons, I was you know working on our real estate business. I said, this is kind of a, a perfect fit, so let's give it a try. Um, and shortly after that, we launched our first T-Bot in, uh, in Chicago in uh, Google's brand new headquarters in the West Loop. It was uh, not August, uh, November of 2015. And Raymond, the founder of T-Bot and I are standing next to the T-Bot the day that Google opens their office to their employees. And so if you've ever been in a Google office, you can imagine uh, it's, or you, you know, it's amazing. It's like, it's like Disneyland for, for geeks, right? I mean, like yep. every kind of cool thing ever is in there. And so they're, they're super excited walking around and then they get to the T-Bot, they totally freak out. I wrote down a bunch of great quotes. My favorite was, we're in this beautiful new building and all anybody can talk about is T-Bot. So I literally more than doubled my investment after that. And over the next seven years, I just got more and more involved. I joined the board. Um, and finally, a couple of years uh, ago, probably about a year after joining the board, I became refounder, which is basically a name we made up for new co-founder. I, I didn't start at the beginning of the company, um, so I didn't feel comfortable uh, taking the title co-founder, but it's effectively the same kind of role. I've, I've really been helping uh, very hands-on and tactically, but also very strategic and helping us shift our, uh, from this sort of retail credit card kiosk -y kind of model to what we call, now call an amenity as a service, which we really learned from Google. They really pushed us into that direction. And it's, it's really what we predominantly operate in now. 
Interesting. I've ne- I don't know if I've ever heard the, and I've been in the startup stuff space for a while. Refounder, that's a new one. So I appreciate that. It up. Yeah, it's yeah. And, and, and and part of the reason too, we knew it would create a conversation because nobody's yeah. heard of it. So they're like, right. oh, what's Refounder? You know, it sort of spurs conversation. Absolutely, that's really cool. So then, what are your like short term, long term goals then with Tbot? Or what's what's next? I guess. Um, there's a lot there. Uh, I'll, I'll go very briefly. Uh, yep. COVID, really quick, interesting story with COVID. Uh, COVID almost killed the company because it, it, we really pivoted right before COVID, about a year before COVID, into this amenities of service model where companies pay us a flat monthly fee to have the T-Bot as um, an amenity for their employees. So it's totally free to their employees, uh, which makes it just un- like talk to anybody that works at Google Chicago and ask them if they've heard of T-Bot and, and they will all gush. It's amazing to talk to people that have a T-Bot in their office. It's it's one of the reasons why I love it so much. But um, uh, COVID almost killed us because we get our, our, our money from companies and nobody was in offices uh, to want to uh, uh, pay for the T-Bot. So immediately at the beginning of COVID, we, we went to all of our clients proactively and said, we're cutting our fees 50% across the board, shared pain. You guys are, you know, having uh, a trouble having people in your office. Um, you know, we're a startup. We'd, we'd love to keep some revenue, but we want to be fair to you. We didn't contractually have to, we could have kept charging them that, but I, we thought it was the right thing to do. And, and so thank, thank goodness we did that because it, it was it was the right thing to do. It, it kept us alive. At least we didn't lose all of our revenue. But it actually gave us an unlock. And the unlock was if you look at a T-Bot, if you go to tbot.com and, and look at the T-Bot, you'll see it's this big uh, robot that has all these different kinds of ingredients. And you can blend up to three of these 18 ingredients. And the way you do that is you touch this common tablet. Everybody touches a tablet to mix together your, your favorite blend. Well, in a COVID world, touching a common tablet is not healthy. This gave us an unlock. We had been trying for years to think about how could we get onto people's phones with a mobile app to give them more functionality and do all sorts of other cool things that you can't do if you're just doing it on a tablet. Well, well, COVID gave us that and we said, okay, we're gonna develop a mobile app during COVID. We'll release it hopefully sometime before near the end of, of, of COVID and we'll shift all of those tablets on the bots to be uh, basically just marketing that says, download the mobile app and engage with the T-Bot through that. And we're just now launching it. Just went to the, the mobile app, uh, the, the app store uh, about a week ago in Android and um, an Apple store. And this is now gonna enable people to do much, much more than they could on the tablet, uh, like save their favorite blends, share their blends with friends. But the real unlock is now being able to order their custom blend in loose leaf tea to their home while they're working from home. And, and that's a huge benefit to the, the individuals. It's also great for us because there is a lot of margin in selling direct, direct loose leaf uh, to, to, uh, to, to people. And we can give them a better price than they could get anywhere else. And it's the only place that they could get their favorite blend other than at the T-Bot. So wow. there's a lot more, but, but yeah, it's, uh, we're really I mean, excited about the future. That's a really interesting pivot, right? Like and it, it came from just the circumstances, right? Now you're an e-commerce company mm-hmm. focused on, share, you know, getting over in their custom teas um, delivered uh, where you started as like a robot that makes tea. So I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah. And it, it's, focus. it's still the robot. Though. We won't allow people to right. buy tea that they right. haven't tried. So you can't just, you can right. download the app. You won't be able to buy tea until you've tried it at the bot because mm-hmm. what we learned with having retail at the bot is we don't want people to pay money for something that they don't like right. so if they try it for 
free at the bot and they know they love this 30% amaretto cherry, 20% peppermint, 50% cacao, which is my favorite blend, mm -hmm. then they're going to want to pay $20 for that because they're, they love it and they're excited for it. But if they pay $20 for a blend and then they try it and they hate it, it's a horrible experience. They'll never come yeah, back. Yeah. Customer, customer service wise, that may be a nightmare yeah. if you did it the other way. So it's really yeah. smart. Yeah. Um, okay, let's switch gears a little bit. I love the T-Bot and I'll have to, next sure, time I'm, sure. I'm in town, check it out and try to get uh, try to get my favorite blend blended and, and order some. But uh, in the meantime, I wanted to just dive in here and ask a little bit about your angel investing um, journey and, and maybe more for like anybody that's listening that, um, you know, is on the sidelines. I know you work with others that are, you know, early angel investors and maybe yep. share a little bit more of like, if you're on the sidelines and you have the ability to invest, what should you do? Like, what is, what's, what's your next, what's your first step, right? Like, and then your next step and your next step and just kind of break it down for us, for anybody that's like listening and wants to get involved. Yeah. I love this question. It's a huge part of what I'm really focused on today is trying to get more people involved in angel investing, especially in Chicago, because that's where I am. And we need more, more first check writing angel investors in Chicago. But really, it, you know, as I said, I did my first angel investment in 1998 when I was 23 and I'm almost 47. So it's a long journey. It takes a long time to learn this. So my best advice is one, and I, I'm not getting, I don't make any money from this. I, I actually don't even know, I barely know Jason, but buy Jason Calcanis's book, Angel. It's a fantastic book. There's only one thing that I disagree with it. He, there's one point and he goes, uh, if, and if you want to get into angel investing, you have to move to Silicon Valley. I 100% disagree with that. Obviously, my thesis is investing in uh, in Chicago founders. But other than that, um, and I think you would probably revise that today. I think um, yeah. that's probably evolved. It's a little bit later, uh, a little bit older. Right. But but that's a great book to give you a good sort of basis and foundation and help you think very tactically about what to do. Um, so like a, a, another great next step is think about how much money you're willing to invest over the next three years. You really need to think of all of this money as I'm never going to see it again, right? That's hard to say, but it's true because in theory, you could lose every investment that you make in angel investing. The way around that typically is really kind of two things. One is doing a good job of, of, of getting deal flow and picking the right businesses. But, but second and most importantly is having a portfolio, having enough investments where a, a bunch are going to go out of business, some are going to do okay, and then you're going to have like one, maybe two that return all of that money and then hopefully a bunch more. So if you say over the next three years, I'm willing to, to, uh, to spend $25,000, not per year, but over those three years. Okay, cool. So that means... Uh, this year, next year, and the year after that, I'm going to put about $8,000 to work. So what that turns into is make basically a dozen $2,000 investments. And there's a couple of different ways you can do that. You can do that on AngelList. You have to be accredited on AngelList, meaning you have to have an X amount of uh, assets in the bank or uh, your, your salary. You can look into what accredited investor means off, offline. Um, or you can do things that are crowdfunded equity uh, uh, campaigns, like Republic is a good example. We actually have one of our portfolio companies that just opened a Republic campaign uh, this week. Uh, it's been forever. Um, and actually, they, ironically, they went through Jason Calcanis's uh, launch program, uh, which we invested, and we did a, uh, a syndicate, which is another way that angels can invest. We did a syndicate 
for them in Q1 of this year. Um, so that's sort of an interesting wraps wraps all those pieces together. So, uh, so, so one of the things you really need to think about is not how much money do I want to invest in this startup that I just saw? Don't do that. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Say over the next three years, I'm going to invest in 12 companies and uh, for, for those 12 companies, the total amount that I want to invest is X amount of money. Then you just do the math. Maybe it's a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Now you're doing, uh, you know, like $10,000 investments, you know, plus or minus, uh, for those investments, but you really want to get to 12, 10 to 12 investments in three years. If you can do that, then you'll have portfolio. Something else you can do. If you want to learn more, go to our website at loftyventures.com, L O F T Y ventures.com. We have a section on there called syndicate, which is actually really mislabeled. We're going to change that to, uh, angel community. We're, we're creating a free angel community where people can learn about angel investing on events that we're hosting, whether they're Zooms, uh, chats, um, looking at uh, uh, pitches, talking about how to evaluate startups. And if people want to sign up for our center, you're welcome to, but absolutely zero pressure for that. We're really just trying to help angels think about angel investing early in their career. What, what I call this sort of angel curious. So I really appreciate you asking that question, Frank. I think uh, angel investing can be very daunting. So I think the, the best thing that you can do is like literally buy Jason's book, Jason Kakanis's book, Angel. Look to other people that you know that maybe are doing angel investing and, and sort of learn from them. Uh, and then if you'd like, you're more than welcome to sign up for our community and, and, and we'd love to help you. It's totally free. Love that. That's really great. And um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I definitely know Jason read the book and I think it's super helpful. So that's great advice. And I, I love the advice of just something I tell people too, is like, how much do you want to lose? <laughs> you know, <laughs> think of it right. as lost before you get going, because you don't know, you don't know how it's going to go. Right. So um, right. great advice for anybody on the sidelines trying to get in and get involved. So, all right. So Actually, this is, there's, 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 there's one other, I'll give just one other point too. And this is yep. really important. You have to ask yourself, why do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. Because the why behind why you're going to get involved with angel is going to influence every aspect of your angel investing. So is it, you really enjoy, uh, investing? Like you, you, you just think the, the concept of looking at lots of different startups and evaluating those startups is really fun. Is it because you want to get like huge returns? Is it because you're retired and you want to be around these young entrepreneurs that have all this energy and passion. Do you want to, you really enjoy mentoring, you know, you're, maybe you've, you've had some successful businesses and, and, and now you want to return, uh, sort of pay it forward and, and give, and give a little bit to the next generation, like getting really in touch with the why behind doing it is really important. And it can be multiple aspects across those different things or even other uh, answers that I, I didn't bring up, but but really being in tune with that why is going to help you craft what your strategy should be. So I think that's a really important first step. And then the next step is like tactically, how do I want to do this? Yeah, no, that's great. And it obviously will impact like, are you, do you want to be an impact investor? What are the kinds of companies yes. you want to look for? Like, exactly. what do you what do you like? Maybe there's a, a like there about like the thesis is you're looking for. So definitely yes. good, good points. Thanks so much, Chris. All right. So I think we're, we're at about time. And I, I just want to make sure before we we head out here, uh, you let anybody know uh, where they can learn more about your company. I think you may have said it already, but if people want to get in contact with you, um, how should they do that? Yeah, uh, so you're you're welcome to uh, reach out to us on uh, on the website uh, uh, Lofty Ventures L O F T Y 
loftyventures.com. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter uh, at Lofty Ventures. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Chris underscore Deutsch, D-E-U-T-S-C-H. Feel free to DM me. Uh, you can connect on LinkedIn. But if you connect on LinkedIn, by the way, just say, send a message, including uh, that that you heard us on uh, Frank's uh, podcast, because I, I, I do get a lot of inbound and, and yep. that would help uh, frame it a little bit. But Perfect. Uh, I also do need to say, Frank, thank you so much for all that you've done for the startup community globally, nationally, and even in Chicago, all the way back to your tech cocktail, even before I got back here. I, I'm really bummed that, that we weren't uh, here at the same time in the ecosystem, but you've really done so much for tech globally and locally. And, and you know, the community really just can't thank you enough. Oh, thank, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I just got an alert a couple of days ago. It was 16 years since we hosted our first Amazing. tech cocktail event. So kind of funny. It's uh, come so such a long way. And I mean, it's amazing to see what's what's been happening in Chicago. So thanks so much for joining us and, and doing what you're doing in Chicago. And um, appreciate you taking the time and sharing this advice for anybody that, that's interested in, you know, the startups you're, you're investing in or, or just getting off the sidelines and getting involved, uh, whether it be in Chicago or, or wherever they are. Yep. Absolutely. Yep, for sure. Thanks so much, Chris. I always love catching up with my old colleagues in, uh, in Chi-Town, Chicago, my old neighborhood. And uh, some great advice from Chris Deutsch, everything from uh, how to become an investor to things he's looking for in startups for all those startup founders out there. If you're in Chicago land, uh, definitely want to connect with Chris, Chris and learn more about what he's up to and maybe get in front of him with your pitch when you're ready. Uh, if you enjoyed the conversation, please do share it. Uh, please share it with somebody you think might find it helpful. Uh, sharing is caring and we really want to spread the love. So appreciate that. And uh, really want to thank you again for listening today. And if you have a startup idea, today is the best day to get started. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going, get it started, iterate. And I encourage you to join our community for access to support, expert advice, and all the resources you need to elevate your startup by simply going to startupofyear.com or soty.link forward slash apply and uh, join today. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. Don't forget to get out there and enjoy summer while it lasts and uh, hug your loved ones. Uh, Good luck out there starting up. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.